Greetings, rapper fans, and welcome to another edition of Let Me Tell You Something. We do our five-star quest. My name is Lorca Mullen, and I'm your co-host, and with me is my co-host... Simon Cross. And Simon, we're here for another match that's been rated five stars by Dave Meltzer, and it's a match that is, that's fair to say, has quite a fast pace. Yes. Sorry, uh, uh, this is... This, like the note-taking for this match, is very difficult to keep up with. Um, we're talking about a match hosted in Ring of Honor, but not containing Ring of Honor talent. We are talking about two Dragon Gate teams facing off in six-man tag action as Seema, or Chima, it's Seema, um, Masasu Yoshino and Naraki Doi take on Dragon Oh yes, the, the guys in the red, like NWO Wolfpack Japan edition, uh, take on Dragon Kid, Genki Horiguchi and Ryo Saito. Of Do Fixer. Right, can we talk about that name? I uh, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Were they? Did they? Did they break down going to a venue, and they and went, someone said, "Oh, do fix her up." Oh, got to get here on time. Maybe uh, they really like flipping houses on the property market. Yes. So Dragon Gates. Do you know much about their promotion? Uh, not a lot. I do know that one of um, my favourite British wrestlers. Um, has recently joined Dragon Gate, which will be quite fun to see. Uh, Martin Kirby. Oh, okay. Because they, for the longest time, was the home promotion of Pac, and was the promotion that mm. he went back to with most enthusiasm when he left WWE as Neville. Yes, when he finally got out of that. Mm. And caused issues with his AEW debut having to be postponed. Mm. Um, Dragon Gate... For a long time, a lot of people made the case that it was the number two promotion in Japanese wrestling. Like, it superseded All Japan and, and Noah as far as being able to get, get a consistent crowd. And it played... It was originally set up as a promotion called Tori Yuman, and was essentially the home promotion of all the graduates of Ultimo Dragons Wrestling School. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So it's very much like, with Ultimo Dragon, a fusion of that Japanese Lucha Libre style of wrestling. And you see that in this match, especially with some of the Dragon Kid stuff. He's doing all the uh, flying head scissors and Lucha arm drags and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and they also catered an, uh, their show more towards like a young female fan base. They were very... Um, they were almost like boy band members, a lot of these... Uh, Right. You know, there are some impressive physiques on display and some good-looking guys. Uh, it wasn't exclusively aimed at those, but they did become a large portion of the fan base. But in Japan, there's always been a large female wrestling contingent. You know, you look at New Japan shows and All Japan shows from that time, you'd hear those few isolated lady voices out loud yelling out, Kobashi! I thought you said Lady Boises, so I was just imagining loads of female Boises from Only Fools and Horses. Oh, I thought in the you were going to go for a Lady Boys of Bangkok thing or something like that. Don't be so crass. Well, I'm heading up to Edinburgh, and they're like on the billboards every single bloody time you go up there. <laughs> um, so this is, as I implied at the start, a very fast match. 
it's the next step up from those Michinoku Pro matches that we saw earlier on, uh, and the AAA Lucha Trios matches as well. You, it's that continuation of yeah. using Japanese uh, moves and, and strikes and everything like that. So with, it's the with next the Lucha. step. Yeah. And it follows the lucha rule as well of no tags required. You'd have to just leave the ring yeah. and someone else can take over. To me, this is, uh, if the AAA match was at Bulbasaur, mm. this is what the Venusaur is. I'll, I'll take your word for that. If you don't know the basic Pokemon, I can't help you. I don't know any of the Pokemon outside of Pikachu and I saw the film recently. Oh, Wigglypuff or Jigglypuff. Jigglypuff, Wigglytuff is the evolution. Oh, okay. Right, you know how um, on our blurb we say it's two generations of wrestling fans? Never yeah. has it been more apparent than in right this moment. Yes. Uh, so, Naruki Doi is the one of the guys that was involved in the best match I've ever seen live, which was him tagging up with the current uh, Los Ingobernables de Apon member Shingo Takagi. Who was actually loaned to Ring of Honor around this time as like a, it was like his uh, developmental excursion, his foreign excursion. Oh, okay. Just... Promotion, and then he came back and was one of the, was really the ace of the promotion for a while, uh, along with uh, Shima. Uh, but Naruki Doi and Shingo Takagi tagged up against the Briscoe brothers in a match in um, Liverpool about a year and okay. a half. Uh, about a year and a half. After, no, about uh, just under a year after this one. And uh, it was an amazing match. And just everything went right. It was very intricate and nothing went wrong. And this is, I think this is why this is matches often held as like the gold standard for spot fest matches. Because everything goes right. No one puts a foot wrong, I think, in this whole thing. I don't, I don't recall any kind of botches or anything close to even a slip. No. Um, I'm just trying to wrap my brain, but I, I think it's pretty flawless. It's mental. I... I, I try and keep like notes of what happened when in a match as I'm watching it. I couldn't towards the end. I, I just could not keep up with it. Yeah, some of them, like they pointed out as well in particular, like Masato Yoshino runs at a pace at the ropes that you just haven't seen before. He is mm. sprinting across the ring. So quick. Mm. So explosive. But they still have a psychology within there. Like, uh, there's a definitely a lot of Dragon Kid wrestling as the underdog. He's like, these are all, none of these are huge guys, but yeah. Dragon Kid is noticeably smaller than everyone else. Mm. And yeah, so they he are, plays like... up the sympathetic baby face for a while. And there is a, an extended heat segment on uh, Genki Horiguchi. Yes. Um,. Is it, now, was he linked to the Shocker at all from, like, CMML? Because it, it's very similar in terms of, like, the way he's dressed. And um, sure I, I think... Know, it was, about Shocker. <clears throat> it's just because they meant they start chanting something which is, like, charge or, like, voltage. No, no, no. Chant. I think it's hair. Because the whole oh, thing is oh. that he's losing his hair. Oh, but he's that's why they do the hair pull things. Yeah, When yeah. they, like, rag him around yeah, by his hair. That's why right. he's embracing it. Like, he knows it's coming, but he's going to enjoy it whilst it's there. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's a great heel spot. Now I know the context when they just start throwing him about by his house. They were being dicks. Yeah, yeah. So there is character stuff, and like there is, there's less of the personality that you saw in the Michinoku Pro things. Like there's no real like taunting or posing or anything like that when mm. they've got. Although they are doing those intricate sequences of triple team moves of like hip tosses into drop kicks into cradles into you know, 
into submission holes that leaves them susceptible to a basement drop kick. There's a really cool one that uh, Do Fixer do, where they get a Dragon Kid and they essentially lift him up, rotate him around 360 degrees, and Dragon Kid comes back down for a drop kick. And the other two that have hold, held him up do also do the drop kick at the same time. Oh, yes. Yeah, that is a beautiful... Uh, outstanding how good they are. It's insane how yeah. good they are. These athletes are phenomenal. You feel like it's almost Cirque du Soleil. Like, they just... I'm not even sure that it was, like, very, like prepped ahead of time or if it's just they know it's like it's like i was saying with with the flare steamboat there was kind of this is sequence three and then we'll do sequence seven and and they kind of did that like maybe backstage they went okay we'll do 9 15 12 7 6 5 go into 24 5 15 and end on 37 okay and the bonus ball is but you know what i mean it's like yes. they, they they match these all up and then they go out and do it you know well, yeah, it's it's simultaneously. It's a spot fest, but it's the has to be like, like the way the way you think it's structured is you simultaneously think it has to be that and it has to be pre-planned. But then it flows so well this one that you think can it be pre-planned or can it just be organic? It looks so organic. Mm. One of my problems I've had with previous matches of this nature that we have covered is it does seem like there's like awkward transitions to get to the next spot there's none of that in this yeah i can't think of a moment where it jars no no and, one puts a step wrong yeah and with spot fest matches the moment it jars is the moment you start to lose it whereas st- more story driven matches uh for example to flip back to uh our last episode uh joe kabashi you didn't need and physically couldn't in kabashi's case uh so many spots so long as you told a story with what you were doing. Yeah. And that that gives you the wiggle room if you, there is a little bit of a jarry thing. Yeah. Spot fests don't have that wiggle room. And whilst it's always fast, it's well paced. And you realise whilst they're doing the feeling out thing, they're doing it quicker than you would see if it was like an 80s match or even a, a North American match. Like the war, like the, the, the mat wrestling, the, the, the heat segment, the working the heel, you know... There's like moments where they use the abdominal stretch and everything goes a bit quicker. But then you realise that they can go a step quicker than... They've got another gear to go into that's almost beyond your level of comprehension. Yeah. It's... So it's like, it's all fast, but it's it's fast-paced. But the fast pace is paced. Almost mm. like a traditional wrestling match, just to the faster step. I... It's, like it's, on, it's like it's on 1.5 speed yes my my i guess my only real link to dragon gate prior to watching this match was obviously watching pack stroke neville in wwe and he always struck me with how quick he could move and how natural he seemed Mm. uh especially for such a like stacked man he is god he's strong I miss him. I miss him in WWE. And WWE misses him, I think. I think there'd be a good spot for him. And I'd love to see him on the grand stage against Ricochet. Maybe I will. I'm babbling. Now, having seen six Dragon Gate guys go against each other, I can see how he's got that skill set. And he's he's not a genetic freak. This is just the standard. Yeah. Well, he is still a genetic freak, but this is just the standard that's there. Yeah, you can tell that this is a huge influence of Ricochet and uh, the Young Bucks. Yeah. 
you know, all those PWG uh, matches uh, that we'll see coming up soon. Um, like I said, it's that next evolutionary step from the Michinoku Pro style. They kind of abandoned the character stuff. There's yes. No, there's not, yeah, I guess the, the Horiguchi's thing's as close to a silly gimmick, but he's not got, like, Super Delphin's mask, or he's not doing, the lo- like, a lobster walk or anything like that. So it's more streamlined, and like I said, they're, they're almost presented like boy bands, because they, it's like all factions in, in Dragon Gate. That was very much the... Mm. That's always been the key storyline of faction warfare, and around this time, Gabe Sapolsky tried to introduce it to Ring of Honor. They had a six-man tag team title in Dragon Gate, didn't they? Oh, they have all sorts of... Yeah, yeah. But they weren't the first people to have that. WCW had a six-man tag team title for a brief period in the early 90s. Um, but yeah, um, they still had singles championships. They were they always had very interesting names for the belts. They were like open the Dream Gate, open the Freedom Gate, open the you know Stargate. Trying think, to get that. Um, I think open the tie twin, in. I think open the Twin Gate is their tag team titles. I might be wrong there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like I said, it's that next step up from Great Sasuke and and Yoshi and Great Sasuke and um, your favorite wrestler and Ultimo Dragon. And Takamichinoku and Kai and Tai and all of them, uh, to the the Tajiri super crazy matches that you'd see, um, to where we are now, and then, then that bleeds into the indie style, and this became like a, a an annual feature because this was also I might be wrong, but this is I think this is the first time Ring of Honor put on shows in the same region as the WrestleMania. Okay, so this was around WrestleMania twenty two. And they were just basically trying to get in on that business. And now you've got, you know, like whole cities become just wrestling city. For yeah. The, for the, you've been, you've seen it, you know. And there's, and this was really the start of that being a popularized thing. It was pretty much just always WWE's domain. But now everyone goes there and tries to cash in. Get a slice of the pie. And, and steal the show and find new fans. And there are obviously people that hadn't seen Dragon Gate before. That by the end of this match, they're all all the crowds on their feet. They get to their feet about f- somewhere between five to ten minutes before the end, and just stay on their feet and start chanting, "Please don't stop!" And yeah, that's a beautiful chant. Yeah, again, the chanting culture, but it's it, that's one that I don't really hear that much, so it kind of works. Yeah, because it was a unique chant. And it what it did sort of fit the theme of what the match was, which was an exhibition of what we have to offer. And like I said, Dragon Gate has come back every year since then for some promotion or another. Like for a while with their own Dragon Gate USA that that, that Gabe Sapolsky ran. Uh, that then sort of merged into Evolve and became its own thing. So yeah, I don't have a lot more to say. It's just, it's a hell of an exhibition. Yeah, but... I can't really... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, we can't really talk you just say move, so you, yeah. you have to see it. You have. But to like I said, there is it. there is a babyface team and there is a heel team, and there are sympathy moments, and they play like Naruki Doi is a bit more of a stronger bullying wrestler. So whenever he yeah. was in the ring with uh, Dragon Kid, there was that power versus agility. Except the power guy can probably still do like a seven twenty moon salt if he had, if he so wished to do it. You know, I can do that. I just don't want to, but he yeah. can and yeah. does. Yeah. Um, Dragon Kid, I remember my friend of mine showing gifts from like the early two thousand, like like two thousand or so, those really early years of the internet and gifts and everything, and he loved Dragon Kid just in GIF formats. And one of the ones that he did, I, I think we see it in this match, don't we? Is the fourth? He does like a four fifty that turns into a Hurricane Rana. Yes, it's to very, it's towards Can the you end. Imagine, well, yeah, you save that for the end. 
Yeah. I mean, can you even imagine how difficult the intricacy of that is? You know, it's not actually that's what finishes. That's what gets the three counts. Yeah. I logistically it's an ace crusher off the top, and then um, and then on Naruki Doi, and then he. I can't remember if it was a springboard or if it was off the top, like off the corner rope. Somersaults, so essentially does three sixty, lands straight on his shoulders and turns it into a hurricane runner. The the how difficult that is. Like Rey Mysterio struggles to do that from a springboard. Mm. Like he doesn't, and sometimes they now they just sort of turn it into like a, a splash. Wow, that is more Ray's knees. Yeah, yeah. Somehow being alive. You know what somehow. I mean? It's like it's taking that. I'm sure if Ray had thought to do it when he was 16, 17, he probably could have done it. Yeah. Uh, and Dragon Kid was just in a physical condition that he could still do it at that point. But yeah, it was just you were seeing moves that just were, were almost unthinkable at the time, and that's what that's what Dragon Gate was all about. Just that next step of innovation and evolution. Yeah, it's and if you you know if you're only going to see one Dragon Gate match, you know it's this. It's Turbo Wrestling, and for a lot of people, it probably is the only Dragon Gate match they've watched, and they bloody loved it. Yeah, well, it's mine, and I did. And is it five stars? Now, yes, yes, it is. And I know in the past matches of this description, I of this ilk rather than description, um, I have been a bit disparaging towards. This doesn't have any of those flaws that I, I pointed out in, um, well, flaws that I perceived in um, those matches I was discussing, like the AAA stuff and that. This just flowed. It was just a beautiful oneness mm. to it. It was just insane. I, I urge everyone to watch this match. It's beautiful. I don't know. If I, if I give it five stars, I don't think it's in the top ten, but I'm very tempted to. Mm. It is weird how we've become a lot more free willy-nilly with the five stars as time's gone on. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that says about us. Um, mm. um, yeah, I can't say it's not worth watching, so <laughs> I think I will have to give it five stars. Because if you if you, if you you make it, it's like, it's like um, Roger Ebert always said that star ratings should be relative, not definitive. Yeah. So it's like within this genre, this is a five-star match. Like, within the steel cage genre, Magnum TA against Tully Blanchard is five stars. Within the I quit submission brawling genre, Bret Hart versus Steve Austin is five stars. Do you know what? I think that nails it perfectly. Mm. That quote there. It's mm. a beautiful way to say it. And, oh. Like, if you like that kind of match, mm. you can't possibly not think this match is perfect basically if you never like i don't know if jim Cornette would ever like this match or not you know the jim no this but you match. know what he likes his own thing yeah and that's that's fine that's cool he likes uh, his own thing and he hates a lot of other things that's true that's the problem but we're like, not about the hate here are we Simon? No, we're not pro love you have no idea what hand gestures he's making to me now as we're talking of this through but I'll leave that to your imagination. But if you don't want to leave it to your imagination and you want to ask Simon what hand gestures he was just making, how can they do so, Simon? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of times during this match that my brain melted trying to comprehend how what was happening was possible. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for dra and N for gone. <laughs> As Christ! My, that's my Twitter <laughs> handle, that's my Instagram, that's my Facebook, that's my letterbox. 
I am aware that Letterbox might be run by a neo-Nazi, so I may not be on there anymore. anymore but oh, are they one of the companies with what's yeah, been possibly? Oh. Uh, so I may not be on there for much longer, which is a shame because it's probably my favourite social media app. But uh, if it's not there, I'm sure there'll be an alternative and follow me on that alternative if and when it comes. As long as it's not alt-right alternative. Yes, but I, I, I will I will double-check if Letterboxd is actually... Yeah, um, so I may, you may have to ignore that as time goes on. I'll keep you updated. And another thing we will keep you updated on is our, com- our, our email address for the podcast itself, which is lmtyspod at gmail.com. But the other thing we need to keep you updated for now is that we are going to take a little break. Yes, to quote Cliff Richard, we are all going on a summer holiday. But that summer holiday might also extend into the first week or two of September. Because basically one of the things we tried to do was keep our recording schedules ahead of our release schedules. And that stopped happening quite recently yes life gets in the way of everything yeah and certain things in life do happen like we have a combination of holidays and other reasons ourselves to be busy for a while that means we can't with full confidence say we can keep up to the current release pattern of a match every other day for the most part but we will be back in no more than five weeks time of the date of this release i think more likely four keep update you know you keep subscribed to our account on on soundcloud or itunes, itunes apple podcasts or whatever app you know i use a thing called Castbox personally that's my and um way. if the podcast platform that you're using has a star rating please do give us a five star yes, do do that and and spread the word during this break period maybe go back and listen maybe if you're a newer arrival and you want something to do we've given you plenty of material for you to work your way back towards oh yeah if you um, want to binge our box set you were freezing <laughs> you very easily could do um, and, we and there's our other stuff as well there is our other content that you can yes. peruse during yeah, this I mean, time we've reached at this point we've gone over 100 episodes in the, in the show yeah. and they are all to the best of my knowledge still available for you to download we haven't hidden any away to go on a Patreon page or something like that yeah. I'm not saying we um, won't do that in the future but uh, at the moment we sold can... out we sold out <laughs> Uh, uh, we've got we also to... also one of the reasons also that we decided to do that was that Dave Meltzer himself took a very long break. He took a one thousand nine hundred and four day break from this match to his next match that he gave five stars to. So, as an emblematic uh, uh, way of doing that ourselves, we're going to give ourselves the equivalent of a one thousand nine hundred and four break of rating five star matches. But when we do come back, it also does seem appropriate because the match that does get five stars is really the start of a new era of wrestling. It really is. Um, and it's going to be... I am. I don't doubt for a second that this episode coming up will probably be our longest episode so far and maybe our, of, of the run. I don't think we're going to beat that three-hour one with uh, Robert from Inside the Ropes. But... Um, if any match could do that, it might be this one. What match is that, Simon? Uh, we are looking at CM Punk versus John Cena at Money in the Bank 2011 in Chicago, Illinois. If that's not something to look forward to, I don't know what is. So, you know, take the break. Have a Kit Kat if you feel like it. Um, we will be back. Uh, refreshed. 
re-energized and with a release schedule that will make your eyes water. Because in order for us to reach our goal of it still being a year-long quest, we will have to release at least uh, an episode four times a week, possibly more. So you're going to get on average a new episode every 36 hours or so. So don't come hope you're ready for us. <laughs> yeah, I hope we're ready for it, Simon. But until then, there's nothing left to say except my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star extended time until, and I promise you there will be, the next time. <laughs> <laughs>